Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, welcome back to Office Chats, a podcast presented by Madam Blue. I'm your host, Valeria, and today's guest is Sequoia Johnson, the creator behind the Koi Collection, a small ceramics business based in Austin, Texas. With over 30,000 followers on Instagram, the Koi Collection's smiley face mugs and other one-of-a-kind ceramics have been known to sell out within minutes of launching new pieces. In this episode, I got to talk to Koi about the highs and lows of starting a business and what collaborating with large organizations like Nike and West Elm was really like. We also talked about the moment that inspired her to take a new approach to her career and life, as well as her advice for small business owners and more. Let's get into the show. I'm excited to talk to you about the ins and outs of running the Koi Collection, your small business. But before we get into all that, can you just give me an overview of your career background? Yeah, sure. Um, So I went to college and I studied art education and ceramics. I kind of went into teaching right after graduating and taught elementary art for a bit, um, taught Montessori and taught middle school art as well. And so lots of art teaching. And then whenever the pandemic hit, my (laughs) (laughs) small business, the Koi Collection, Um, started to take off. And so I chose to uh, pursue that full time. Yeah. So I've been doing that since 2020 and it's been pretty great. It's been crazy. Lots to learn always. But um, (laughs) yeah, yeah, no, it's been great. Have you always had like an interest in art, like from a young age? Um, No. So um, fun story. (laughs) Uh, Whenever I was in college, I actually, on the first uh, orientation day, I was going for psychology. Um, And then whenever they announced like the psychology people, they looked quite boring and like not my speed. And so then they were like, art. And everyone was like, yeah. So I was like, okay, looks like I'm going to be an artist. (laughs) And so I actually switched the first day of college from psychology to art. Um, which was a bit of a struggle in and of itself because I had no like art background or anything like that. And so thankfully I had some friends help guide me through the art programs and the terminology and the techniques and things like that. But I think I enjoy the fact that I haven't been an artist um, the whole time, just because I think I have a different perspective than a lot of my art friends. And so, yeah, I guess I'm not fairly new anymore. I'm like kind of old now, (laughs) The last 20 years has been great. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's cool to see people start new passions like later in life, because especially with something like art, you always assume like that's just a natural gift you have to have. But if you're really passionate about it, like you can learn and you can just like experiment and try something new. Right, for sure. Yeah. And I think that part is basically why I find that I have 
just like a new lens, I guess, looking through it. Um, I haven't really, I know there's like the term starving artist, but I just haven't really played into that. And so I think I um, just come with a different perspective. So yeah. What led you to starting the Koi Collection? Yeah, um, lots of stories. <laughs> That's why you're um, here. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I feel like very trauma-based <laughs> answers, but um, essentially um, I was let go um, from teaching. Um, we had just like a really racist principal and it was just very toxic and um, she really did not like me at all and um, basically got let go from that position. Um, and in that same week, um, I was in talks of like buying a house and, um, also like racing to therapy, having just like breakdowns and all of these things. And so I actually got in a near death car accident within the same week. Um, and so after that, <laughs> I kind of like took a step back and was like, what do I actually love doing? And what do I want to do with my life? Um, now that I feel like I've kind of kissed death a little bit and like kind of figured that, you know, life really is short, but also am I doing what I want to be doing? Um, and so just answering those questions kind of led me back to um, a high school passion of mine where I would curate earrings. Um, just not being able to like express myself very much. I lived in a strict household. And so like we weren't able to wear lots of makeup or lots of like fake nails or fake hair, things like that. And, but I knew I was always able to express myself through like the clothes I was wearing and the earrings that I um, paired them with. So I um, would always go to like Claire's and like all of those little stores and kind of buy lots of earrings and then like refashion them. And so people were like, I've never seen that before. And so I kind of really um, developed a love for curating and kind of refashioning um, and repurposing things that I thought were really beautiful. And so um, I started the Quite Collection as an earring only brand just to kind of pay tribute to that. Um, and so that was like right after I got fired, I, I started that and I knew I wanted to do ceramics as well. I just knew that I kept hearing that it was incredibly expensive, it was much of an investment. And so um, I went into the Koi collection thinking I will start with earrings, but my end result will be ceramics and also other things that end up making me happy along the way. Um, so even now I don't want to stop with just ceramics. I do want to figure out a way to bring in some mixed media. I really do love all types of mediums um, and being an art teacher as well. We've explored like every medium with our students. And so like painting, printmaking, embroidery, you know, I mean, I've been doing candle making lately, just like any type of making is kind of my passion. And so, yeah, I think that's kind of where I'm at right now, kind of trying new things in addition to ceramics. And I love it here. <laughs> I love that your business philosophy is rooted in happiness. You're not trying to like figure out, okay, what SKUs sell the most? You're like, no, I'm just going to do what makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's so cool and refreshing and kind of testament to what you went through because anyone that's been through a near-death experience like you're gonna just have a different outlook on life like there's right. no there's no way to avoid that and so I think it's just amazing that you're doing a business solely based on happiness and I think the, pro <laughs> the products speak for themselves I mean you have a really loyal fan base and are you wearing earrings that you made? Are those ones that you made? Um, no, these are actually ones that my friends made. So like on top of me making, I love to collect and, and purchase um, from other people as well. And so 
I mean, even that part as well, I feel like whenever I started these things, I was like, I don't want to just wear what I make or do what I make. Like, I really want to interact with other artists that I find inspirational as well. And so, yeah, no, these are actually um, abstract. So, so cute. Poi is wearing heart-shaped glasses. <laughs> By the way, I'm setting the scene. They're so cute. Yeah. These gorgeous I've got earrings. my bitch necklace on as well. <laughs> what does it say? It says bitch. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love it. And the I see on the background in your space you have like little color palettes. Mm-hmm. Do you use that to like inspire your creations? Um, so my entire studio is kind of set um in that way. So those are actually I'm another artist that I found. Um, you've just got art oh, everywhere wow. and so like and everything just like inspired by other people. So I think the the thread kind of is like color and just things that bring me joy and just things that really just spark inspiration and the fact that it's it's different and unique and I am connected to the people that made it. Yeah, I'm sure having that like group of artists that you're friends with, you all kind of understand one way or another what the other person's going through and can like learn and grow from each other. That seems really beneficial. Absolutely. And I think just, you know, being an artist is incredibly isolating as well. And so I think it's like I'm with my friends all day, you know, Mm -hmm. like they're here with me. And it just like reminds me of like, oh, I remember when I purchased this or I remember when, you know, we were making these things together. And I again, I think it's just a practicing what I preach. Like I genuinely want joy to be surrounding me. And I really want to, you know, make that conscious effort to um, inspire that in other people and just, you know, kind of break up the day with it being just so mundane. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, from when you've started your business to where you are now, I'm sure it's like two totally different realities. Were there any key decisions you made that helped you get that process to run smoother like from where you started to where you are now or Mm. on the flip side were there any like mistakes you made in the beginning that you learned valuable lessons from wow I mean yeah I think with anything that is successful or anything that's like growing there's always going to be mistakes and always going to be um, incredible learning lessons I feel like a couple are coming to mind I remember there was one time like right when I was starting I was getting tons of orders and I knew I didn't have the capital to fulfill them because my pricing was too low. Um, And my friend who is also a jewelry maker, um, an artist, and she was like, you've got to start a GoFundMe or like do something to raise some money for yourself. If you're not able to get investors at the moment, or if you're not able to kind of fund these things, like you are bootstrapped, you need some help. And I remember I was like, girl, I can't do this. Like, what the hell? Like my mom always told me not to ask for stuff, you know? And again, just like leading with these mindsets that like people are just going to think I'm needy and things like that. But I was like, you've got to start it for me. I'll come. We can like write the description together. We'll send out the emails and everything. And um, I remember when she pushed send, I was like, oh my God, like, what have I done? Like people were just going to look and laugh. (laughs) And um, within that whole month, I think I had raised like about $13,000 and in my GoFundMe, which was insane. And then I was like able to then, you know, continue to grow. And I think without that initial help and that initial push, I probably wouldn't be here today. But I think that was just like a lesson in just asking for what you need. And obviously we all need $13,000, but like <laughs> also just being intentional about what you're doing and 
you know, I try not to ask still, but I think, I don't know, like I said, I have like a lot of artist friends. And so like, sometimes um, I will go and like volunteer for their business. I'm like, I want to help you. I don't think it has to be monetary all the time, but I think it's just a learning that people do want to help and they aren't genuinely always bad or looking for something in return. So mm-hmm. that was a hell of a lesson to learn. <laughs> yeah. It's like the saying closed mouths don't get fed, right? Exactly. You never know until you ask. So what, right. a, good, what a good friend to help. I know. Yeah. I also find that like, we all know people that have the resources that we're like hurting from. It's really just a matter of asking the right people, but also just being intentional and, and just putting it out there. I think that's something that I try to tell people as well. You mentioned that you started a GoFundMe to raise some capital, but were you just promoting on Instagram and like social media? Yeah. So the first couple of smiley mugs that I had made, um, I just made them in my house. It was like, oh God, like I really love these, but I bet no one's going to like them or whatever. Kind of just like a self-doubt funnel. But I was like, let's just do a little giveaway. And so I put on a giveaway, had like all my friends submit and pretend like they really wanted this mug. Um, And uh, essentially one of my friends did win and they didn't even come collect it. So I was very discouraged. I was like, oh God, like I don't even know what's happening. (laughs) And so that night, um, I was really hoping to be involved in this Austin list of like black founders and makers. Um, and so I kept like saying like, Hey, like, please put me on the list. Please put me on the list. And I started noticing my friends were like, Hey, like put the Koi collection on the list. She's like really great. And things like that. And I still wasn't on the list. So I was like, just forget this. I'm about to like blast myself everywhere and just like self-advocate on every list that I can find. That's like supporting um, Black makers and Black founders and things that just really aren't going to be supportive. Also, mind you, this was back in 2020 when like the Black Lives Matter movement was really in its prime. And so I was like, I really want to advocate for myself because I'm not even being seen in the city that I live where a lot of my friends were also like on that list. And so I was like, tagging myself on tons of things. Um, and it kind of really was like the perfect storm of like overnight success where, um, I went to bed with like no orders and then I woke up with hundreds of orders. And so then I was like, Oh my gosh, like, what have I done? (laughs) But yeah, I think again, it's just advocating for yourself and it just, um, and putting yourself out there. Yeah. Putting yourself out there for sure. Um, and again, just showing up in the the way you know how and in an authentic kind of setting, you know? So, mm-hmm. I mean, any like creator entrepreneur might get in the beginning, you're kind of scared to like seem cringe almost yeah. to like brag about what you're doing or yeah. like, hey, look at what I did. Like, I, f- I feel that sometimes even with yes. this podcast or the blog, but it's like, if you don't do it, nobody else is going nobody. to. Right. And so it's just like pitch to these magazines, pitch for press opportunities, pitch yourself because that's the only way like you're going to accomplish something. And it it's hard, but you have to like put aside your ego and like fear of fear of rejection and fear of negative feedback and just like go go for it. Right. And I think that, you know, there is a balance between, you know, rejection and negative feedback. Like you're going to get it eventually. Right. So like, it's okay when it does come, it just, again, is how you react to it. And I think I had a lot of like self um, talk and a lot of like internal reflection where it was like, if someone doesn't like something that also gives you the opportunity to change it, or it gives you the opportunity to like 
you know, try again. And so I think in society, we have these like really harsh views on like when someone says something that you don't agree with or something that is kind of in a negative undertone that it's, you know, really, really bad and that we should be really sad about it. But also like, I think just the optimism on the ladder and the other side really is how people are able to grow and thrive. And so um, I think that is another key element of like why success makes sense for me. Um, just in general, because I'm like, I was talking to a friend and I was like, if you see someone that's really been incredibly successful, just know that they've also been so low and really, you know, maybe rejected in, in many different forms, because again, the only way to climb the ladder is to be knocked down a couple of effects. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just a matter of optimism, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think you should put that on your next creation. <laughs> the only way to climb a ladder is to get knocked down a few pegs. Like, yeah, that's I so true. That. Yeah, you <laughs> put know. it on something and I'll buy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's the same, right? It, the, with joy comes pain, right? Like, I think, I think that's why I like continue to use the smiley face motif is like, you know, people are like, oh, it makes me happy, but it's also like, yeah, but the reason you may or may not feel happy is because of the pain. So like it, the joy doesn't work unless you've had, you know, the experience of the other side. And so again, I think where I come in is just like a focus on balance and the optimism and things like that. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, I love it. That's what I love about your brand. (laughs) (laughs) You've had like quite the journey from 2020 till now. I'm Mm -hmm. sure you've dealt with ruts like anyone else of like struggling to find creativity and stay inspired. What do you go to to find like your joy and your inspiration to create new designs for the Koi collection? Um, And do you have, I mean, we kind of touched on this, but do you have like something that always drives you to continue growing your business? Yeah. So I think again, yeah, I mean, it just really does come to balance for me. And I think um, this is just the most underrepresented thought in my opinion. It's just like an artist needs time off. An artist needs time to just be an artist needs time to be a human, you know, whether they're famous or not, or like kind of in a higher, you know, esteemed realm or whatever it is, is like, they really just need what they need. And I think getting in touch with that has kept me inspired. Um, whenever I feel like I'm not inspired, I know it's time to either take a break go eat a snack, go travel somewhere or something. Um, And so I think I don't really shove that down. I really do pay attention to like anything that my body or mind is telling me or feeling. And so I think that's what's kept this like momentum going is like, again, it's coming from a very authentic place. And I think the fact that I am just very vulnerable and vocal about like where I'm at or where I'm going and things like that. I think that's just what's helped keep this thing afloat. Yeah, I think that's good advice. Honestly, for anyone at any job, it seems like such a no brainer, but then sometimes people just don't do it or companies don't like advocate for it. But Mm -hmm. time off from work like really makes you come back fresh and actually want to work and like avoiding burnout is so important. So yeah, well, I think too, I don't know, I guess I've had the luxury of having no time and like working for myself, but I do totally feel like my eyes have been open to understanding that like other people aren't able to take that time off all the time. But then I wonder then, and like propose the question, like, is that the fit for you then? Right? Like if you, 
I don't know. And I mean, I'm not going to go on too deep of a tangent here, but I knew for me, I couldn't fit in a nine to five. I couldn't fit in a place where like I had to wake up and like go to a place with people that didn't like me or people and like just things were like unpleasant. So it just didn't make sense to keep going down that path. And I think just here as an artist, I know it is like the truest form of work for me because I do have that flexibility. And again, like not everyone needs that much flexibility, but just like knowing yourself and knowing what you need. And then also having a job that in tandem, like gives you that space to breathe and do what you need to do. Yeah, I think that's part of like what's going on with the great resignation. You know what I mean? Like so many people are like, if I'm not happy here, I'm just not going to come. And so I think that's why so many organizations are like shifting their focus to like actually give employees flexible time off and things like that. And listening, you know, Mm -hmm. it's another key part, just listening. Can you take me through the process of creating like a new ceramic from start to finish? Sure. So originally I was creating everything in my house. I would basically throw everything on the wheel. Um, and so that would take about a day. Then like trimming would take another day. And then if it was a mug, I would add a handle or, or whatever extra um, piece needed to be added. And then painting comes next. And then you've got to wait for everything to completely dry out before it goes in the first round of the kiln. What is a kiln? Oh, okay. (laughs) A giant oven. You're good. A giant oven, which um, actually creates like a chemical change in the clay. So it takes it from like, kind of like a brittle, like mud pie, I guess, to like an actual rock and like a solid form. Um, And so once it becomes uh, that solid form, it's called a bisque piece. And um, that's then when you are able to wash it and wax the bottom and glaze it and then put it back into uh, the kiln for a second firing. And so the glaze is the um, kind of glass-like shiny finish on the pieces. Um, And that keeps it from like having water seep through it and things like that. And so, yeah, the process is incredibly long (laughs) and um, it takes probably a week and a half to two weeks like minimum to get things done um I used to say like even if Beyonce called me tomorrow and was like I need a mug tomorrow like I wouldn't be able to get it for her (laughs) doesn't work like that not even for Beyonce so Beyonce has to wait too Beyonce has to wait (laughs) well speaking of celebrities I was going to get to this a little bit later but I talked about like you having a really loyal fan base and even like there's been celebrities who have your mugs now. I think it was Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah, Jennifer what? Love Hewitt. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> How did you see that? Like, what was your reaction? Oh my gosh, I like screamed. I was in the kitchen, just like minding my own business. And um, yeah, she slid into my DMs. Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. And so, um, yeah, I believe I actually made her five pieces. So she's got like quite a few. So wow, she's crazy. She like asked for a custom order. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. She, I, we made one round of mugs and then she asked for an additional mug. Wow. That's so cool. They are great gifts. I will say. Yeah, no, they are. I know. And I'm like, I know like my work in terms of pricing is a little bit higher, but I think it just really again, is priceless and the the process and all of that stuff is like all factored into that. But um, yeah, they are really timeless pieces, right? Like I think they really are an investment and really um, connect to whoever's getting them and and whoever's interacting with the piece. 
Yeah, uh, and you can't compare something that's handmade to like right. a twenty dollar mug you can find at right. Target because it's like right. different. And the fact that they are handmade means they're all like one of a kind, which is also right. really special. Right, right. They're functional fine art pieces, and mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I just think of them like that. And um, thankfully, people have also been encouraging in that regard. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I really love all of the things that we're producing over here. That's so cool. <laughs> is it is it just you by yourself right now or do you have- um, I do have two gals that help out uh, throughout the week, um, but I would say- like 80% is me all the way through and through. Yeah. They help with like creating like a fabrication. So like sometimes we'll do handles, sometimes we'll do um, like making the pieces and things like that. But I believe I've painted like everything myself. It's awesome. I'm like pretty hands-on. And so (laughs) I think that was kind of an interesting um, question I had like back in the day, like, oh my gosh, is it still like a piece made by me if like other people are touching it? And I think again, if you're going to grow and scale, there's, you're not going to be able to touch everything all the time. Um, but I think it, it really is a thing you have to connect with yourself and like get comfortable with the fact that you're going to need help. And that's why it's so important to just like choose people that you feel like align with the business. A hundred percent. And I couldn't agree more. And they are so, we're just all aligned. We're very like ADHD scatterbrained, but like we do bring it together. And I think I was worried about like delegating and being a boss and um, trying to figure out if people could like understand my language. Cause like I said, I need time off. I need, you know, I'm like, Oh, go to this. Okay. Let's do this. Oh, let's do this together kind of thing. And, you know, you have to want to work with the people that are in your space, especially as an artist. And so, yeah, I mean, I have zero complaints about them. They are the best. um, And yeah. What is the vibe when you're working? Like, do you put on a certain artist that you like to listen to? Do you like light a candle? Walk me through that. Yeah. So as I mentioned, the ADHD, she likes to take over. So I am like, (laughs) I'll be like doing emails. I'll be like painting. I'll be like running back and forth. I'll get a new idea and kind of like shift. Um, I was talking to somebody else about that. And they're like, do you have days where you do like admin? And I'm like, no, I do it all the time. There's like days where I don't check my email for a couple of days, which is not the best, <laughs> but you know, as a one woman operation, you've got to do what works best for you. And, um, you know, I think we are working a little bit to switch into a more infrastructural, um, I guess structure, but mm-hmm. I think even within that needs to be incredible flexibility and, yeah, because right now it is very much just like whatever inspiration takes over for whatever piece, it just happens. Um, and I do like to leave a lot of space because I don't want it to be stuffy where it's not, again, like I want inf- information to flow through me to kind of translate through my work. And so, yeah. On your website, I saw that you've collaborated with many organizations, including Free People, Nike, Microsoft, West Elm, so many more. Can you tell me what that experience was like? Yeah, so um, some of them were good. I think some of them also were a little challenging, um, just in the regard that I, I think I saw the shiny name and I think I got really excited but didn't really understand the assignment, if you will. <laughs> um, And then I think that really just trickled back down to like knowing who I am and knowing what I want. I know I run my business a lot differently than, 
you know, a bigger business of that caliber. And so um, as much as like some of them were a fit, some of them really just weren't and we weren't aligned. And I think it made it really painful to continue those um, projects that I was working on. Uh, but again, with that being said, I think there is just incredible amounts of need for clarity when you are an artist or when you're doing anything. And I think it just boils down to like whether the two pieces fit or if they don't. Um, and so, yeah, I think I, at this time, don't particularly take on brand deals as much anymore, um, which I was really nervous about that because I mean, these things are shiny as hell. Like I was like, wow, of course I'll do that. But then it would just be like, oh man, like I haven't done it yet. I'm not really inspired to do it or whatever. So I, I don't know. I think it also comes from a place of like you needing to do what's best for you. Like, yes, it's cool that I have all these names on my resume, but I'm still way more excited about the ceramics that I'm making as opposed to like working with them or even like the friends that I've worked with or the collaborations that, you know, maybe didn't even make it to production that I've just done in the back, um, back end that I'm way more excited about. So I don't know. And I guess I also say that too, not to shut things down. Um, there was one collaboration uh, with Qdoba and I basically got to eat a quesadilla for their commercial, which I was like, I'm incredibly aligned. We are seeing eye to eye here. We <laughs> understand what we're doing. <laughs> and so um, I don't think all brand deals are bad. I think it just, they are there just to like give you money to have you perform or to have you do a service. And so again, that doesn't make me excited all the time. I think again, what makes me excited is what um, I guess like the action of it, I guess. So yeah. Is, is there any like advice you would give to maybe someone who's having a business that wants to collaborate with organizations, like things to look out for as far as like sure. part of, parts of the agreement or anything like that? Yeah, we'll definitely have an agreement up front and make sure you read it and make sure you understand. Um, I know too, there's like the net thirties and the net sixties and things like that. Just like knowing these terminologies, like net 30 means you're not getting paid for 30 days. So like knowing that, you know, you're doing all of this work and you're doing all of these things up front and then they will not pay you until like 30 days or a net 60, which is 60 days or just two months. So you're not even seeing that back. And so, yeah, just know what you're signing. Um, make sure you're signing something and like have an agreement you can come to them with your terms and things like that. I think you just have all the power, especially if they're approaching you. So like kind of knowing that as well. The collaborations you did, was it like a mix of you approaching them or? No. So I actually hadn't really approached anyone. <laughs> I think it was, yeah, just like my rising and blowing up situation that I guess I was shiny and everyone really wanted to kind of get a piece on the action. And I think that was never like my intention was to like, just give people pieces of action. I like, I wanted it to be intentional. And so I think, again, that's where the disconnect lied a bit. And so, yeah, I think if you're wanting to do brand deals and like that, just get clear on like where you stand and like what you will want to do and what you don't want to do. So, yeah. Because your business kind of took off so quickly, like, how did you deal? I'm sure you were overwhelmed. Like, how did you deal with like 
starting like small and then all of a sudden you know like Nike wants to work with you yeah yeah um I mean again I just feel grateful for being able to do what I love I think that is another key element like if you're just kind of doing things willy-nilly and you kind of like half love them and you kind of half don't or you like wish you were doing something different to kind of take those steps to do what you actually want to do um I was definitely overwhelmed for a really long time um lots of therapy lots of like breaks and things like that but I think just to the core I still was doing what I knew I needed to be doing and so um I think that's where the burnout didn't come because I don't feel burnt out at all. I still feel like I want to wake up. I want to make ceramics and I want to, you know, do these things. And so I think again, yeah, the burnout just comes when you're not incredibly like aligned with what you're doing. Um, I also found that just like not doing things for money, like it's not always about the money. I think as an artist, it's scarce. So it gets like a little bit worrisome, but we, I just think of it as like a foundation. So I'm like starting the foundation. Obviously it's going to take a lot to invest into it and things like that. Um, and then, you know, we'll start to see the fruit grow like later on down the line. It's such a blessing to be able to like do something that you actually love. Right. I, I wish more people could, could experience that. Cause it yeah. is, it is true that when you are doing what you love, it doesn't always feel like work. Right. Yep. We talked about the following you've gained on Instagram and sort of the work you did to like put yourself out there and just show up and grow your your profile on social media. What has the growth been like? And then can you offer any advice for small business owners looking to grow their online presence? Yeah, the process has been 100% organic, to be incredibly honest. Um I feel like that just comes from my personality. It's a little bit loud. It's a little bit quirky and cheeky and all of those things, um, which happens to be like in line with what's kind of trending. So I think I don't really do things because they're trending, but also it seems like it's in line. So then that kind of helps a lot. Um, I think for a business, the my biggest offering is to start an email list like social media in it can be gone tomorrow but I think an email list and just like being able to connect to the people that are really invested in like supporting you and supporting your work being able to talk to them directly is my biggest win I think I mean obviously like Instagram's cool and it's great and I think it's a tool but I think there's just sharper tools and like tools that really set you up for more success. Um, I was looking at it earlier too, and I posted something and right now, like my insights, like only like two or 3000 people are seeing my, anything that I post. And so like, it's not even hitting the like 35 K or like however many people are following me. And so I think it's this illusion that, oh, you have a lot of followers. Oh, a lot of people are seeing your stuff. Oh, a lot of people are buying your stuff. And it's like, yeah, because I put in work in other elements and other places that actually yield a higher, you know, response. So yes, build an email list. Great advice. I mean, social media algorithms are just trash, honestly. (laughs) So yeah. And so I think too, like the less I focused on social media, the more it grew. So that as well, I know it's like really hard to like 
do the opposite of like what the world and the internet is telling you. But I think again, you have to do what you need to do for you. And for me, social media doesn't take precedent over certain things. Like I said, like emailing, um, creating the work. Like I want to spend more time working than I want to spend time filming me working. So I, I feel like I give tidbits of like when I'm working here and there, but I'm not like obsessed with filming everything and, and being, I guess, like politically correct. I kind of just like roll with the punches. So, um, and again, that's my style. So I find that that is successful because people don't like overtly curated anymore. It's a juggling game. And so, you know, just figuring out what works for you and and trying things. Um, I went to a talk the other day and they were like, lean into the data. And so like data doesn't really like make me excited, but also knowing like, oh, like I see that people are liking blue right now. And so like, I'm leaning a little bit more towards blue. Like I love all colors. So like that feels aligned. Like I don't mind leaning into blue, but I do like black right now, probably not. So like, I know black is also a popular color, but I wouldn't do that. But just finding pieces that still are aligned with what you're doing and like being able to navigate that space that makes sense for you. How do you incentivize people to join your email list? And then what types of content do you send them to keep them engaged? Yeah, so I actually need to beef this up. Um, I try not to send too many emails. I just don't want to be like really annoying and I want them to stay on the list. But also I feel like in my mind, I'm like, if they want to invest in this business and like be part of it and stuff, like I I need to kind of set the precedent of what I want to do. And so typically- to incentivize people to join the list, they get first pick and they get first eyes on all of the um, new collections dropping. And so that has been really good to do that. I really do want to figure out a way. I just like am having a struggle, like committing to like, not programming, but I really do want to do like experimental cup club where like they get a new cup, you know, every month or two, that's like a complete experiment that's not in production um, type of that, of thing like that. And so I am working through how to create more incentives and working through how to like be a little bit more consistent in my email list because I do find it so valuable. Um, but I also just make my emails like quirky as hell. Like they're loud, they're fun. They've got like random gifts. My, even my like email type right now is blue. My signature is like a smiley. I'm like, I don't want it to be boring. Like I don't want it to be just like another regular email. And so I think again, leaning into these things that seem so stale and like adding your flavor and your personality on it has been really great. So I feel like you're, you really never know what you're going to get with me. So. <laughs> I'm going to subscribe really like after this so I can check out those emails. <laughs> do you ever like give any company updates on the emails, like anything personal or do, do you just keep it more like, here's what you'll get out of it, that type of thing? Um, so I have been like, I guess, struggling with like being so personal. I find that like, I like to talk a lot. <laughs> and so I don't know if that's, bad. And I think right now, again, as I'm trying to beef up the emails, I think I am going to lean a little bit more into being a little more personal. Um, sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. Um, but I do want to create a consistent vibe, I guess. And so I am kind of like taking all of these things and thinking about them, how I show up on Instagram, just really authentically myself. I do want to kind of start to translate that through, um, email because, 
they are authentic. It just feels like more of like, Hey, like I'm having a sale. Hey, I'm having these things. And so as much as I am getting a response from that, I do want it to, again, feel just like a thread is aligning through all of these channels that I'm using. And so, yeah, working through that. Um, I definitely don't have it all figured out. So I'm trying to, you know, learn. (laughs) Yeah, no. And I appreciate the transparency. We talk about this a lot or like recently on the podcast is just like sometimes on Instagram, we see just the highlight reel and things seem super cool and easy and successful. So I always appreciate when our guests like open up about like, yeah, I'm like X years into this and I'm still figuring things out. Like I'm still learning, especially that you're doing this mostly on your own. It's like a lot. Yeah. I also, yeah. So like last night I posted and I was like, yeah, I haven't talked to y'all in a minute. Everything's like kind of freaking nuts over here. One of the ingredients in the clay that I was using is like no longer available. So like I'm having to switch everything. Like I can't use the clay. I can't use the glaze because the clay glaze fits that clay. And so like, I'm like, I posted these cups and I was like, yeah, these look like pretty cups, but like, this is more than just a pretty addition to your feed. Like the reason I'm posting these is because of this. And like, I really did go into depth about it and I was like, oh God, everyone's going to like unfollow me. (laughs) So here we go, you know, but even just leaning into those situations where like you feel like you're being too personal, I think it does again, just create a humanistic view of you on the internet because I find that um, like even now to a little bit of a tangent, but my friends have been like introducing me as Koi and I'm like, I think I want to Koi it out. Like I think Koi, when you introduce me as that, like it feels like I'm the Koi collection, like when I'm meeting your family or like your friends, I want to be known as like the human behind it all, not like the name of the brand. Um, And so I really do enjoy being in touch with that human element as well. And like I mentioned balance, I think, you know, as a business owner, there has to be time where you take the time off, as I mentioned as well, like you can't be your business 24 (laughs) seven, like you really got to be you. in touch with that human yeah. piece of you as well that like you know gets drunk on Saturday or like goes wild and like eats ice cream for breakfast like it just you really do have to be in touch with those human elements of you as well and I think that is just really important mm-hmm. do you ship everything yourself yes okay and you if run I- the social media yeah, all me. And, and you I do the it- news, like the email list. Yep. <laughs> Damn, girl. <laughs> yeah, my sis, it's um, a lot. I feel like some places are suffering. Like I said, like the email lists are like kind of not dry, but they're more like intentionally like, okay, we're having something like go look over there. It's not really like, I don't feel like I have enough time to like really do like a monthly list or like twice. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just feels like I'm, it's another plate I'm juggling and I'm trying to figure out how this makes sense for, for me. But yeah, I was thinking about that too. I'm like, yeah, no, I wrap and ship almost all of the work as well. (laughs) Well, I mean, obviously it's testament to how passionate you are about it, but also for anyone listening, like if you want to start something, you're going to have to do it yourself and it's not going to be perfect. And that's okay. Like it's okay to not have an email list when you start, like maybe you can get to that later but it's just like taking those baby steps and like finding the piece that it's not going to be perfect and you just have to go with it. 
Right. And I think again, just like making sure when you're going with it, it's aligned with what you actually want. And it's Mm -hmm. not this vision that people have projected on you or like made you believe it really is something that you've done some like either soul searching or just like, I find also too, if I like get in touch with what I was doing when at a younger age, when there was no pressure, that really does help me figure out what I actually have been wanting and wanted to do. Um, even just like I said about um, the earrings earlier, people were like, oh, why don't you make necklaces? And I was like, cause I don't want to make necklaces. Like I want to make earrings, <laughs> like mm-hmm. leave me alone. And so, you know, just standing your ground and like whatever you're thinking and whatever you're doing. And, you know, if people are challenging you, that's okay too. Like, it doesn't have to be like a fight all the time. It can be just like, no, that's like what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite part of running the Koi collection? And something that you think is like the most challenging? I think the most challenging thing tends to be just like me getting over the fact that I'm like nervous about everything. (laughs) I, um, I don't know. I still find it just like people seem to hold me in this like high regard. They're like, oh, you've got this. Oh, you've done this. Oh, you did that. And I'm like, yeah, but like, again, I still get really nervous about dropping new work. Cause it's like part of me. And I get nervous about, you know, maybe I said something incorrectly or whatever the case may be. And so, yeah, I think that has been challenging, but I find that I just like to feel the fear and do it anyway, but it's still like a lot. What about like, what's your favorite part of the job? Oh, my favorite part. I love painting, painting mm. and making the whole making part. Because yeah, making, I would say is maybe like 30% of the business. It's not even like a large chunk. Um, It's like the marketing and the photography and the emails and the socials and like the shipping and the, yeah, that part is good. I honestly don't mind most of that too. I actually do love shipping as well. (laughs) I'm like the making part really, really, really makes me excited and experimenting. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why you started in the first place, right? (laughs) Well, finally, I would love to close out by asking you to provide one piece of advice for anyone starting their own business. Do you have any words of wisdom that you can share? Oh my gosh, just one piece of advice. (laughs) You can name multiple if you want. (laughs) Well, I think just being aligned and just listening to like what you want to do in terms of business, running a business is not easy and um, it is incredibly rewarding, but I think you've got to go in with absolute clarity. And I know like nothing has absolute clarity, but the more you're clear and the more you're able to think through things and problem solve, that is where the strength is in the foundation. So clarity and knowing your worth and just being able to like recover, right? I think mistakes are going to be made, period. So being able to make those mistakes and then still be able to recover from them really is the literal key to running a business. And to life. <laughs> and to life. Yeah. Yes. Well, Koi, thank you so much for joining me on the show. I'm so impressed with your work and everything that you do. Um, before I let you go, can you please let everyone know where they can find you and the Koi collection online and on social media, all that good stuff? Yes. So everything is the Koi Collection, T-H-E-C-O-Y Collection. Um, my website's thekoicollection.com. Socials is at the Koi Collection. My email is thekoicollection at gmail. <laughs> um, but yes, everything is that. And um, yeah, I really appreciate you for taking the time to chat. Uh, this was fun. <laughs> it was fun. Thank you so much. 
Thank you so much to Sequoia for joining me on the podcast and thank you to everyone listening. I hope you join us on the next Office Chats episode. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.